Hi, welcome to Chatting to a Friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures, as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. Joe Bradshaw is a mountaineer, an expedition leader and a lover of the great outdoors, but she hasn't always been that way. She, by her own admission, was a no-saying, height-hating, comfort-loving former smoker who was very happy just sitting on the couch and let a great swathe of life go past in what she knew was a very comfortable job and uh, had all the trappings of success. And this chat is all about how she went from being that person to being 50 and one summit away from having climbed the seven highest summits on all seven continents and the experiences and the journey that have taken her to here. It's fascinating, it's insightful, and there's so much that can be used in real life in this conversation about how to push yourself out your comfort zone, how experience and intuition will help you every time. I really hope you enjoy it. Hi, Joe. How are you? Thanks for joining me today. I'm very well, thanks. And how are you? Fine, thank you. Yes, very well indeed. I'm very excited to be talking to you because I've been scouring your website and I'm just, oh, I'm agog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so fun. And I have to tell you, that is, I'm not much of a blog reader. I have mm-hmm. to say I'm more of a video or, you know, short, sharp, but oh, your blog is just amazing. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's really well. It's great because they're very insightful. They're very, they give you not just a view of what's happened in the latest Mm. moment, but of of a bigger view of your life. Or I read a really fantastic one that you'd interviewed uh, lots and lots of different women uh, giving their views on, you know, keeping going. Was that what it was about? Mm. Yeah. Oh, so Um, good. Yeah, it was. It was about, you know, a t- basically a tough day in the office yeah. um, and you will get through it. So, yeah, I was really fortunate to have some really good contributors that, for that. For you know, from Holly Budge, who sort of sent me a link from her um, video from um, the highest camp on north side of Everest to Dave Cornthwaite and how he met his amazing wife, Emma, you know, so... <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, it's, it was a really cool one to write. I was really, really happy with that one. Yeah, so I, I totally, I'm a big fan of the blog. So, and also I wanted to say happy birthday for last Thank week. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 50! Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, but do you know the funny thing is I'm not far behind you and I just think it just doesn't mean the same as it used to. No. I don't know. And I don't, and it, yeah, I don't. I mean, what are you supposed to feel like? No. I don't feel any different. Or I probably feel better now than I did when I was 21. So, you know. I, well, I feel exactly the same. And so let's talk about your 50th birthday challenge. Let's start with that because that's what you just wrote your latest blog piece on. And it was a brilliant one. I loved it. I thought it was, uh, I, I heard, I saw on Instagram, you said that people said it was too easy. Or it was, is that all? But mm. I thought that sounded pretty tough. Tell us about that. It was it was an interesting one. So I haven't I'm used to doing lots of challenges, but from you know ma- from the mountaineering side of mm-hmm. things, and I'm not a natural runner uh, or don't class myself as a natural runner. Uh, 
and the various challenges or things I wanted to do on my birthday, which was Monday, March the 8th, were, were gradually being chucked out because of COVID and restrictions. But I knew I wanted to do something. So and I just happened to watch a uh, really lovely, I think it was about a 10-minute film by an Australian filmmaker called Bo Miles, where he ran... Uh, basically where he lives in Australia, he's got a one mile um, loop around his, from his, you know, house around Mm -hmm. countryside and back. Um, So he decided to run uh, a marathon in 24 hours. So a mile on the hour, every hour. Mm. The first one he ran three miles and Mm -hmm. then he did a mile after that for keeping going for 24 uh, 24 hours. So I thought, oh yes, I could do that. So I, I worked out that it was 1.1 miles in order to do it mm-hmm. on the hour, every hour for 24 hours. So I, I plotted eight different loops on my OS um, Ordnance Survey Maps mm-hmm. app and printed them out and stuck them up and thought I'd raise some a little bit of money for children's mental health charity Place to Be, who I've been supporting since 2014, mm-hmm. and just thought, you know, what could possibly go wrong there? <laughs> I hadn't run more than three miles for a very long time, um, and I'd certainly never run any more than 20 miles. So, And I thought i just, you know, breaking it down into what Abby Naylor described as 24 mini adventures, I thought mm-hmm. was a really good way of thinking of it. So, yeah, it was great. It was great. And, and I, how did you feel? Like, I know you didn't get any sleep, and yeah. it, it seemed like, I, I imagine the sort of 45 minutes, 40 minutes in between each one mm. passed pretty quickly. Oh, very much so. So I what what Bo had done, he's he had written out this whole list of jobs that he wanted to get done in between. So I thought, well, I'll do the same, you know, like hoovering and washing up and doing a bit of painting and all sorts of other stuff that I wanted to get done. And after the first few, I'm like, there is no way I can get through this twenty four hours if I don't stretch in between, if I don't eat, if I don't hydrate properly. Um, you know, and just I wasn't so, so worried about the sort of sitting down and, and relaxing because I didn't want to lose mm. that little bit of edge. But um, yeah, I knew I had to I had to sort of rein it in a bit. So, <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. It was brilliant, and I'm really proud that I completed it. Not that I didn't think I was going to complete it, but I actually ended up running twenty nine point four miles, which. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of. Yeah, that's I've never run that far before, so <laughs> it's a bit nuts. Yeah, so yeah, it was great. Awesome. And you raised what, fifteen hundred pounds or something? So, yeah, nearly sixteen hundred pounds for the place to be. So again, you know, from having a little idea and seeing somebody do something on a on a film and thinking, oh, maybe I'll give that a go. And I've had some messages from a few other people going, "Can I borrow your idea?" I said, "Well, it's not my idea, actually." Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely, because it's a very doable way of running that distance without a not doing much training, which I don't advocate generally. But <laughs> you know, times and everything. But um, it was it was great. So yeah, I'm really really pleased. Excellent. And you've mentioned your charity a couple of times, place to be. What drove you? Because we're going to come on to the big, mm. uh, the seven summits and all that sort of stuff. But I want to know. I'm interested to know why a children's uh, mental health charity. Mental health is has obviously been 
I mean, it's been in the forefront for the last few years. Mm. Um, but back in 2014, uh, I had um, said that I was going to climb Everest in 2015. Mm-hmm. And I was going to somehow raise all the money because it's not, certainly not a cheap thing to do. Mm. Um and was looking for a charity to support because I didn't want to make it just about my climb. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had already uh, said that I would take a group of Duke of Edinburgh students on a residential. So they're basically walking with us to base camp and then climbing Lobuche East, mm. which is a 6,000 meter mountain as our acclimatization. Wowzers. So, um, yeah, so I'd already uh, said I'd do that and find a sponsor for half of their costs and when you sort of say oh yes I'm going to do this it's like oh I really need to do it (laughs) no it's not just me relying on this so and then in the summer so that was sort of May time and then in June I was crewing a bike ride in Italy um and the it was a corporate bike ride and they were raising funds for place to be and on that bike ride a colleague of mine was just chatting to one of the cyclists and, you know, and he was interested in what we all got up to outside of doing bikes. And and Chris just mentioned I was climbing Everest the following year. And I think it just piqued his interest. So we had a chat, he came and found me afterwards and he, we had a chat and he said, you know, just come and see me when you get back to the UK and we'll talk it through. And um, I hadn't really heard a place to be by then, but I really, was very interested in the work that they did. Mm. Um, you know, we've I've obviously found out a lot more about them on the on the bike ride. And I met up with this chap uh, when he said, you know, fundraise for place to be, and I will cover the costs of the climb. Wowzers! Um, which is, you know, you, it's just like that never happens. Yeah, to me. never. You know. <laughs> Other people get stuff like that, and it's always the way. Well, do you know? I don't know that yeah. very many other people no, get I that either. They <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. So it was. It obviously hit the right spot at the right time for this gentleman. Mm. That's priceless, you know. Since since I started fundraising for Place to Be, a I have understood so much more about what they do, mm-hmm. but so many other people are now aware of what the charity does and the amazing work they do within schools. And you, you can't put a price on that. You no. know? And, um, yeah, off we went in, in, um, the beginning of April, 2015. Amazing. And I'm going to come back to that, but I want to rewind a little bit. If I may, you sort of start your tale, I guess, being in a sort of a 10 year slump, uh, and being, uh, by your own admission and own words, mm. I think risk averse, no saying, height hating, comfort lover, <laughs> and, and a smoker <laughs> to boot. Smoker. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about this 10 year slump. I mean, you know, when you see it written down, you think, holy cow, 10 years. Yeah. And mm. then I think to myself, what am I talking about? Like, <laughs> I've had long periods where I've just come out going, hello, yeah. how long has it been since I said I would do X, Y, and Z? And talk talk me through that sort of period of your life where it just wasn't quite what you thought life would be. It was interesting because when I left school, my, I was going to work with horses, and I was going to marry a farmer or farrier, and you know, live on a farm and live in the countryside and live that sort of real outdoor 
uh, rural life and have kids and lots of horses and donkeys. And also, when I left school, I went to work with horses and I I and worked in New Zealand for a bit and then came back to the UK and started running various different yards and training the horses for competition. And it was great, but I just I think the dream and the reality didn't quite mm. match up. I had managed to choose some not particularly fantastic employers mm. and various other things. You know, I think when, you know, in your early 20s, you're going through such big changes emotionally anyway. And mm. I did go out with a farrier and we moved <laughs> together and then he cheated on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think all of that going on I just needed to take a break so I thought I'll take a break I'll find something else to do and then come back to the horses I changed from horses to to retail Mm -hmm. (laughs) they don't even mix do they in when was it 1993 Um, but it wasn't until it was another 10 years on until 2003 when I did the skydive Mm. Um, and a very good friend of mine um Caroline who I was working with at the time in a global business I had said oh I'm going to do this skydive and she said well I think I ought to drive you (laughs) (laughs) so I did the skydive for Asthma UK I was I hated heights had this big fear that I just wanted to jump off something and fly which obviously is when you don't have a parachute on, it's not going to end very well. And then when I got back a few weeks later, they sent through this flyer for a bike ride in Peru, run by a company called Discover Adventure, who are based um, down near Salisbury. And she saw the flyer on my desk at work and was like, brilliant, that's the next thing. And I was like, no, I've done my adventures. And, you know, I'm quite happy to just sort of, you know, hang about at home and, and, live a very quiet life but yeah she wasn't having that so she persuaded me to do it she helped me pay for the deposit and I paid her back and she she became my sort of second real champion of you know you can really do this so and that's when life really started changing for the better I loved the fact that you know you had the guy at the gym you know when you decided to take it seriously who said oh you'll never do that yes I mean talk about killing trying to kill somebody's no, it wasn't even a dream, just someone's enthusiasm. And I got this guy and he asked me what I was going to be training for. So I told him and he said, oh, you'll never do that. I mean, he came straight out with it. There was no hint of sarcasm or, oh, wow, that sounds amazing. That sounds really tough. He was like, yeah, you're never going to do that. <laughs> just like, wow. wow. And what was that? You said Peru and a bike ride, but it was a fairly hefty old bike yeah, ride for a first attempt. Yeah, yeah it was all at altitude. Um, the mm-hmm. highest we went was just over 4,300 meters. Yowzers. Yeah, so that, and I'd never, I've never been to altitude before. I'd never been to Peru. I hadn't camped since school. Um, you know, I'd, uh, it was just a whole load of firsts. Like so many people who take on these challenges, it's just like, it's not just about the bike ride. It was mm. about so much other stuff, you know, traveling abroad with a group of strangers. For that to be a first reaction, it was like, oh, okay. And what was it, about 450 kilometers or something? Yeah, about that. Incredible. And you talk a lot in your in your 
blog and that sort of thing about um, positive Polly and negative Nelly. Mm. And were they, did you develop them, the, you know, for those that, perhaps those that don't understand what I'm talking about, perhaps you could explain. But then uh, it just, I want, I want to know, I'm wondering when they started to feature and when you were able to sort of keep one under control and encourage yeah, the other. Sure. So um, I think they didn't really start to feature until I was into more of my climbing career mm. and I really I sort of had an awareness you know it's like um angels and demons or you know animate enough calls them the cheerleaders and the soldiers of self-doubt so my my version is positive Polly and negative Nelly and they're two characters that sit on each shoulder so Nelly's on the left and Polly's on the right and, you know, when you're having a bad time, Nelly has old negative Nelly is sort of chuntering away in your ear saying you can't do this and you're useless and everyone thinks you're a joke. And, you know, all of these negative, really not useful negativity um, stuff just going on in your ear. And, mm. and then, you know, you need to sort of turn to the right and, and listen to the positives and I think that really came about – I'd been using something similar before, and but I hadn't really named it until Everest 2016 when mm. when I nearly walked off the mountain because of all of the negativity around it. Mm. And um, and I fortunately, I didn't and summited. Um, and that's when I really sort of nicknamed these two characters and mm-hmm. – and and I use them all the time in in you know when I'm teaching D of E students, or when I'm guiding on six thousand meter peaks, or you know, and talks I give. I think it's important to respect the use of both negative Nelly and positive Polly, mm. but not to be a slave, definitely to the negativity as well. Yeah. But to sort of understand where it fits in and why it's there and use it as a as a sort of means to move on further rather than something to hold you back does that help with the line i'm quite fascinated by with a lot of my guests like yourself who put themselves through huge emotional mental physical challenges about the line the line of i can't do mm. this like i physically this is going to be dangerous now yeah and oh this is too hard I don't I can't envisage myself doing this for Mm. much longer what do do they help because you're saying to use that negativity to help but because I'm really fascinated by how do you know where that line is does it come with age with experience with how do you work it out yeah that's a that's a really interesting question I think I think intuition is a massive factor mm. so it was a guy that I guided years ago um or I led on a trip years ago said what do you think makes a good leader or a successful adventure and I said it's it's having that intuition and instinct of knowing when enough is enough mm. because you're going to get yourself into trouble I heard Mark Beaumont the round the world cyclist uh, talking about it the other day on a podcast and he said and people you know it's not the doing it as much as the the thought of keeping on doing it, of keeping on pushing yourself, that's what stops people. It's that thought of, oh, this is, you know, this is going to take forever, or it's too hard. 
Yeah. And so when do you yeah. sort of push that aside and say, right, yeah. don't be ridiculous. You're perfectly capable. You just need to get your head in the game. And when yeah. do you go, actually, I need to start listening to the fact that I, I, th- this is now dangerous or stupid or whatever. Yeah. It, it definitely comes with experience and you have to make some mistakes mm. in order to gain that experience um but it's you know obviously you don't want to get yourself in trouble in the early days but without putting yourself in a position where you're pushing yourself you're never going to find out how capable you really are but that that line of okay it's getting dangerous so I've got a good example on on Everest in 2016 I was we were going up to camp 3 at 7000 from camp two at six four up to camp three at seven thousand meters uh, on an acclimatization rotation, and I'd already climbed another eight thousand meter peak, and I've done lots of other expeditions. So I had in the bank uh, knowledge of what my body was capable of doing, and when I knew it was not going to mm. work for me. Um, and we were going up and I hadn't felt that great that morning and I'd put on a sort of pair of socks that I was I'd already used a couple of times, so probably a bit damp. I maybe had – my body wasn't really loving having breakfast before I went out mm. on a climb. But I hadn't really associated that those two together. I just thought I was, you know, just feeling a bit sick in the morning. And I got halfway up and my feet were – absolutely freezing and I thought and the sun was just about to pop over the mountain so I thought I'll just give it another five minutes I'll just give it another five minutes and and once the sun comes out and starts glaring off the glacier you know you're going to warm up but I just didn't and I my feet were getting colder and colder and I thought if I don't turn around now I'm going to get frostbite Mm. and therefore I'm not going to be able to carry on with the whole expedition and and try and summit Everest so I turned myself around and my Sherpa was a bit, but you're capable of, you know, climbing this DD and you'll be fine. I said, I know I'm be fine, but my feet are not fine. Mm. Um, So I turned around and came down and it was definitely the best decision I could have made because I could then put right the the mistakes I'd made. Mm. So, you know, fresh socks and, um, eating breakfast before I went and all of those things. And you learn something new. Every time you step out of that door or that tent, you learn a little bit more about yourself and the environment. I cannot believe anybody would say, I know everything. Yeah. You know, you learn all the time. <laughs> you learn all the time. And I think it's really important to keep your mind open to that thought is that, Every day is a school day mm. and you learn something new, you know, each hour or sort of during during expeditions. So I think it is I think very much it's is it it's an instinct thing. Mm-hmm. Some people naturally have it, other people learn it. And a sort of feeling going by your gut of is this my brain telling me that I'm not capable or is the environment telling me I shouldn't be here? Yeah. Yeah. And it's about, oh yeah, it's such a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's, I don't think there's a right answer. I just, I ask it quite 
I ask it quite often because I'm very, I'm really fascinated by it. I'm sort of an amateur endurance yeah. adventurer, if you like. Yeah. And so I've pushed myself to where I've thought I could never go before. Yeah. But I've never been, I don't think, in a situation where I have gone, okay, I could die now. Yeah. Or I, if I, if I, if I don't, if I stop ignoring these mm. signals, something really terrible is going to happen. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just really interested. So no, there's, there's no right answer. It's just a personal fascination of mine. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, and I think the more you do, the more in tune you get to your environment. So in uh, 2011, I was in Nepal um, climbing Mirror Peak, and we'd summited the mountain. Well, we hadn't even summited. We got to. 6,250 meters, which is a couple of hundred meters off the summit, but couldn't go any higher because there was a big crevasse stretching across the route. And we didn't, you know, it wouldn't have been safe to, to carry on. And as we were a couple of days later, as we were walking back out, I was just chatting to Rolf, who's a friend and, and the guide at the time. And I now guide for his company. And, and we were just chatting away. And I said to him, something doesn't feel right. I don't know what it was, but something mm. didn't feel right because we were in a deep sided valley which had very unstable sides because a, a glacial lake had burst its bank a few years before. So, um, and it just felt a bit, something felt a bit off mm. and I can't put my finger on it anyway. And so I turned around to face back up the valley and I said to him, right, I'll go down and get everyone else to, hurry along and he said well I'll wait for the lads and you know we'll we'll catch you up at speed and as I turned around this rock pings out the side of the valley the valley wall and hit my rucksack (laughs) I am out of here (laughs) and it's it's that sort of intuition of that gut I think that gut feeling of this doesn't feel right Mm. And it's listening to that. There was very much a, you know, yeah, I think that for me was the biggest, like, you have to listen to your gut in those circumstances. And it's better to, and there is a big difference between pulling out of something because you don't think you're capable, Mm. because that is a very uh, emotional feeling, Mm -hmm. um, to knowing when actually, not doing the last climb of a of a rock climb or maybe walking the last few miles rather than pushing yourself will help you not be injured or yeah have you it's always worth sort of thinking about what's going to happen another day yeah um, you yeah. know yeah yeah and so how did you know girl who always said no and didn't uh, you know, didn't really want to take too many risks and so on. Go from you know skydiving, what was it, two thousand and three, yeah. to being at the top of Kilimanjaro five years later, and then suddenly, or well, maybe not suddenly, but then you know taking on this huge challenge of being yeah. you know a woman on top of all the seven summits and all the seven continents. Obviously, it's a process, but can you give yeah. us a sort of a little summary uh in 2004 when i completed the bike ride i then went back and did another couple with um discover adventure and on the last one 
the leader, I was chatting to the leader and sort of asking how you do this, not even thinking that I was going to do it as a job because I already had a successful career and, you know, I had a good salary and all the things that I thought life was supposed not supposed to give you because you have to work for them. But, you know, that's all the things we're told. You were ticking that, off the boxes. Yeah, I was. It's like this is all going to make you happy. And I really wasn't happy. So mm. I, I was I was happy, but I didn't feel fulfilled in life. So yeah, so I got in touch with Discover Adventure, and they started taking me on as crew for bike rides. And then they let me, so they let me lead a trip. They asked me to lead an expedition in China, mm. and uh, and then they they offered me a job in the office in the office in um, just outside Salisbury. So I gave up this sort of really well paid job and good career prospects and everything and moved down to Salisbury and half my salary and got rid of my fancy car and sold my house, you know, had this massive life change and then started leading and it was and retrained and got my mountain leader qualification. And every expedition I went on or led, I didn't really think there would be a next one. So I wasn't, I think I was, experiencing it as that particular expedition was going to be amazing mm. you know rather than oh what's next what's next what's next so I think when I climbed Killy for the first time I never expected to go back a second let alone now 35 <laughs> which is nuts wowzers <laughs> and so I think I always went for the expeditions as if you know through the eyes of somebody who may never come back here rather than, oh, I've got to come back another time and another time. Mm -hmm. And I I climbed, well, I led various Kilimanjaro expeditions and all sorts of other stuff around the world. And I hit 40, obviously, 10 years ago and wanted to, again, do something different for my birthday. And I was three years into leading then, so had gained some experience and thought, I wonder where what else I could do and I met that's when I met Rolf Ustra who uh, was guiding for Discover Adventure at the time and they just started setting up him and his wife Marnie were just setting up their own company called 360 Expeditions and I so I thought so him and I did we led a Everest base camp together and I remember getting up to Kalapatar feeling like death (laughs) 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 trying to hide it from the rest of the clients who were probably feeling like death as well and looking across at Everest and Rolf was going yeah this is gonna be I'm gonna you know go and guide on this and he was he'd been doing it for years and we're about the same age so and I would look to do it yeah never not for me too dangerous too commercial too expensive too everything I'm like no I'm not that's not for me and he was like, never say never. So mm-hmm. the following year in 2011, when I just before I hit, just after I hit 40, we went and um, I went and climbed Mirror Peak with him mm. and a group. Um, and I remember again, it was this whole. It was like being in Peru, you know, on the, my my uh, bike ride. It was this whole load of firsts again. Yes, I'd been to Nepal once, but I'd never been off the beaten track. Um, I'd never worn crampons before. Um, I'd never been higher than Kilimanjaro, which is five, eight, nine, five. 
I'd never been on a glacier before, you know, I'd never been on a three-week expedition before. So I was sort of racking up all these massive firsts. And again, mm. really lucked out with the group. Um, there are a few challenging characters in there, but I think that's all part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the crew were phenomenal. And um, and we didn't summit. And I think that was probably a good thing, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because it proved to me that and this is going to sound really corny, it is not all about the summit. If you Mm. just pin your whole expedition hopes on that one minute or that five minutes of standing on the summit of something, you miss everything else. Mm. And for us, it was about, you know, celebrating birthdays on the expedition. It was about playing shitheads and (laughs) locals. Um, and our crew, and uh, I was beaten a lot. Um, you know, it's it's about learning how my body would adapt to altitude and learning all these new skills. And, yeah, it was amazing. And so when I got back from that, um, Marnie rang me and she said, oh, you know, Rolf is, was really impressed with your sort of resilience on the mountain and, and thinks you should come and climb Aconcagua with us. And I was like, God, no. <laughs> Why would you want to go do that? Because it's it's high and it's dangerous and it's cold and it's windy and it's mm. all these things. So I was sort of traveling back into that negative mindset again. Even though mm-hmm. when I was leading trips, I was, you know, I was positive poly. So I just wasn't dealing, doing that to myself. And, um, and in order to because people are like well how on earth did you afford to do this and and unfortunately my uncle had passed away the year before and had left me a bit of money and that and it's like this series of things that just slot together at the right mm. time isn't it and yeah so he he'd passed away left me a bit of money which meant I could go and climb Mirror Peak and it meant I could go and climb up on Kagura so at the end of 2011 uh, went out to um, Argentina and again had an amazing group. And I know that doesn't always happen because I've had some not so amazing groups uh, leading in my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and an amazing guide team. And we did stand on the summit. And I learned again so much more. Yeah. And, and, each time Rolf said to me, I know you can do it. So, again, he had stepped into Caroline's shoes, who had stepped into Ruth's shoes, of so being that champion. You know, so yeah. I know you can do it. I know you can't see it and you don't believe it, but I know you can do it. So just crack on, you know, yeah. quit saying no the whole time and, and just get on with it, will you? So so after Aconcagua came Manasalu in... 2013 which is the world's eighth highest mountain mm-hmm. and again when Rolf mentioned it I didn't even I'd never even heard of the mountain I had no aspirations of climbing anything bigger than Aconcagua you know didn't think I was capable but thought well maybe if if somebody keeps telling you you can then I ought to I ought to believe it yeah because I, I am doing that all the time when I'm needing trips. So, you know, come on, Joe, just um, suck it up and get on with it. So, yeah. Um, and it was after Manasalu that Everest really came into sort of play. And it was interesting because when I eventually said yes to it in March 2014, 
I sort of bought it up. I'd been mulling it over and thinking, God, it's a lot of money and, you know, it's a long time not working because it's, mm. you know, six to eight week trip and all of these things. And I'm like, I'll work it out somehow. Um, my dad's favorite motto was say yes now and work it out later. So I'm like, <laughs> I need to, I need to sort of take heed of, of that part of my family. And I was sat at breakfast. I'd just come back off a killy trip and I was sat at breakfast with my parents because they looked after my dogs when I was away. And uh, dad was like, you know, how, how, uh, how did you sleep? I was like, well, wow, it's just, I've just got something going on in my mind. And he was sort of spit it out. And I said, well, I, I think I'm going to go and climb Everest next year. At which point my mum went very white and nearly fell off a chair <laughs> and, um, and went, oh, God. And my dad w- was like, well, it's about time. Yeah. Uh. yeah, so they – and I had that reaction from a few th- friends that said to us it was a when, not an if. Right. Which is really so lovely to know that your friends have that much faith in you. Have you reached the point – where you you start thinking that you could do it like you've obviously you've done now six of the seven yeah and do you still need that champion whoever it might be or are you kind of have you sat down with yourself and gone okay I can do this now um I think I've turned into my own champion good yeah hurrah (laughs) (laughs) I love it yeah because it was interesting when when I mentioned to a friend my last challenge she said do you think you'll do it and I was like yeah it's gonna hurt there's no way and I'm used to 24 hour days you know I you do them a lot on expedition especially on Mm -hmm. days and walk out days you know there's there's been so many times when we've got to a camp and we're like no we're just going to keep on going We've got, it's just 24 hours out of the whole of my life and we just need to get through it. Yeah, yeah. And for my 24-hour challenge, I was coming home. (laughs) Yeah. There's no hardship. Uh, You know, I had a warm house and and a cup of tea. Um, So, and there will always be uh, challenges that I take on where I think this is really going to hurt. Yeah. And... Am I really capable of doing it? But I don't think I would put – I think life's too short for me now to put myself in a situation where I would attempt something that I knew was not going to work out. Yeah. And there's there's things like Everest 2015, who knew there was going to be an earthquake? Yeah. (laughs) Who knew we were nearly going to die? Who knew we would have to be helicoptered off and – end of expedition, you know, sort of from camp one and all of this sort of stuff. And who knew I was going to get the opportunity to go back. So you just, you, there's, there's obviously unknowns to things. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, somebody said there's going to be an earthquake. You would never have put yourself in that position. Uh, yeah. So, so I think for, you know, cause people are like, Oh, you, you should, and I can't stand the word should, <laughs> you, you should go and climb K2. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I don't yeah, have quite a high yeah. risk, <laughs> very high risk. risk. Um, it's getting, it's becoming busier and it's all relative cause it's, it's never going to be as busy as Everest. Mm. But then the busy on Everest is not busy compared to Kilimanjaro yeah. or, you know, 
you know, or busy of London Marathon or, you know, what have you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm definitely doing stuff because I feel that I want to experience the challenge of that particular thing, whatever it is. When is the Oceana Car- Karsten's Karsten. Pyramid? Is that right? That's a very when good is- question. I have no. no idea. It's been cancelled three times and not because of COVID. Oh. Uh, so I was originally going to go out there in January 2018 and, you know, has a great um, guides lined up and all of, you know, everything sorted, just need to pay and go. And my sponsor had carried on with me after Everest and I and we'd agreed that we'd complete the seven summits for place to be. So Carstens was supposed to be number six. I'd done Denali mm. before that. So um and then um and unfortunately a couple of weeks before the expedition was due to go, um he had to withdraw. Oof. Um and also my father had died the month before. So I think the the uh all the timing for me and it was like this sort of you know you were saying about when is it when is it good to say enough's enough mm. or put things on pause and it was definitely then yeah you know i was i was heading straight down the barrel of of sort of self destruction so um so yeah stop stop that for a year and then came back to the seven summits and the funding for it in 2019 and uh, rescheduled the expedition for September, 2019. And then 24 hours before we were due to go, (laughs) found out that the mountain had been closed due to civil unrest um, and it wasn't safe to go to travel out there. Um, So fortunately we found out before we flew um, and then we rescheduled it to the beginning of March 2020, and a month before we did go, uh, we found out the mountain had been closed again because the civil unrest was still going. And then, obviously, you know, this, everyone knows what happened in the last year. Yeah. Um, and I actually messaged um, our agent because uh, I'm going with a few friends. Messaged our agent last week, and he said. Uh, the political situation still isn't stable enough. Um, you know, there's, there's people fighting and mm. lo- locals are losing their lives and it's just not safe for tourists yeah. at the moment. So until that situation is is calmer and it's safe to travel, then we will travel when it's, when it's ready. Yeah. You know, and I'm very much of the mind now, it will, it will happen. Yeah. But it will happen when it's, meant to be yeah and it's safe to be there and you haven't set a time limit on it so it's not like you you know that was part of your no and it, I was you know in September I was like right I'll get the seven summits and I can't do anything about the situation out there so therefore it is completely out of my hands I've had a few people say well why not do Kosciuszko in, in Australia instead mm. I was like because you can drive most of the way up that one (laughs) half the height and a lot easier than Carsten's pyramids um in in because there are two versions of the seven summits that's why aren't there there are yes so there is um australia is seen as the seventh not the seventh continent but is one of the seven whereas the on the australasian plate whereas Carsten's is part of the oceanic plate Mm. um 
and it's a more challenging climb. It's harder to get to. Um, you know, it's just a bigger expedition, even though it's quite short. Mm. Um, and I don't, you know, if I've said I'm going to climb Carstens, I don't want to take the back door and go, oh, actually, I think I might just go and do the easier one because I yeah, can. Yeah. That's not what it's about, you know. And I'm also fundraising for a children's mental health charity. And I want to prove that, you know, when things are tough, you need to sometimes, depending on the situation, but but sort of ride that tough. And, and when you achieve what your your main goal is, it would just feel all the sweeter. So it will happen. Yeah. <laughs> when it will happen, I don't exactly. know. I did ask the agent, I was like, maybe at the end of this year. And he said, we'll just wait and see. And do you have a favorite summit or adventure? I know that you said it's not the summit and you're echoing something that Sarah Williams of Tough Girl Challenges said to me Mm -hmm. recently. She said, you know, I set the big challenges and goals, but I don't want to just be happy when I reach them. Mm -hmm. I want it to be every day, all all the way through the journey, the challenge and everything. So do you have a favorite journey? I mean, Everest was amazing. You know, sitting on the summit of Everest, is pretty up there as life's amazing experiences. And and we had a tough climb. Uh, mentally, it was incredibly tough for me for various different reasons. But it was pretty cool. But to be honest, Denali in Alaska was everything that I wanted an expedition to be and more. And I was stood on the top. I had the top to myself with my team. And we were the only people there because mm. um, others had already gone down. It wasn't crowded. It wasn't weren't fighting for, for the summit. There was no queues. Um, it was just an all-round incredible expedition. And it was hard. The weather was pretty gnarly. You know, it's called gnarly Denali for a reason. <laughs> um, uh I had trained my socks off for it as I had for Everest and the other expeditions, but this was a whole different level of physical effort needing mm. to pull a heavy pulk and you carry a 20 kilo rucksack. Yazers. Um, wow. So, and then at high, at uh, advanced base camp, you ditch your pulk and you carry more, you know? So it's, it's a tough expedition. Mm. Um, and one actually, and it was, it's, uh, I kind of slightly blame Mark. <laughs> so, and he's quite happy with it as well, because I've spoken to him about it. But I read his book, The Man Who Cycled the Americas. Yeah. Is that right? It um, is, yeah. Yeah. So I read that uh, when I was out in Tanzania in 2010, thinking, wow, what an amazing adventurer and what an amazing adventure. And he, on his cycle, he climbed Denali and climbed Aconcagua. Yeah. So Denali. In the same Denali, season. In the Amazing. Same season, yeah. And, um, and, and then I remember he, he made a film about it and I can't find it anymore, but um, I remember seeing this film about Denali thinking, what a cool place that is. Mm. So it had always been at the back of my mind and I never, ever expected to get there. I never thought I was, you know, it's that whole, I never thought I was capable. I never mm. thought I was enough. And then I, I found myself there, and I'm like, "Wow, I am going to make the most of all of this." Um, oh, cool. And it was just incredible. 
And I stood on top and I shouted, this is so much better than Everest. (laughs) My campmates are like, you are crazy. (laughs) Back down to high camp and one of the guides had to stay in high camp with a couple of climbers. And he just looked at my face. He said, I don't even have to ask how you found it. (laughs) (laughs) Best thing ever. And I still, you know, when I talk about it in talks or talk about it on expeditions, I'm like, if and I'm really amazed if anything tops that because it wow. was just incredible. Once you have conquered the seven summits, or while waiting for the the, the next one, what's what's next on the plans? Anything you can share? Well, after my little and the, oh god, so this morning I wrote a blog about language and not. I didn't write a blog; it was just a post about. Oh yes, about little my, challenge. Yeah, my little challenge, which is crazy. Mm. I run twenty nine miles. That's not a little. Um, so I decided to do a series of twenty four hour challenges. Oh, nice! Um, over the next year, so every other month of something that I can actually train for because I'm away so much abroad. Mm. I find it hard to get any consistency. Yeah, with my training for anything other than walking or climbing. So. At some point in May, I'm going to be doing a bike challenge, 24-hour bike challenge. So I'm just Mm -hmm. working out the sort of logistics and uh, feasibility of what I want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. It won't be on the same lines as the 1.1 miles every hour on the hour. It will be more continuous, but Mm -hmm. it will be over 24 hours. Um, So that's in May. In July... I'm going to give 24 hours of stand-up paddleboarding a go. <laughs> I've never done it before. Well, rather you than me. I, I think know. I've lost about 24 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm raping it. I mean, I definitely need to rope in some more friends for the bike challenge to get me through the night and through the yeah. day. And a friend of mine has uh, volunteered slash I asked him if he would help me with the, with the stand-up paddleboarding. And he said, yeah. So, and there's various other things throughout the year, every other month. Um, Brilliant. because at the moment I'm not traveling, can't travel obviously. Yeah. So I need, I, I really need a fitness focus. I've, mm-hmm. I have not had that throughout the last 12 months. I think I've just been trying to get through through life <laughs> yeah, um, yeah and I feel like I've sort of got that hook again now of you know I need to I need to up up the ante a bit so that when Brilliant. you know because I'm due to go out in, to Nepal in October and time slips by very quickly and I want yeah. to be really fit for that so uh, yes and in the meantime um, hopefully my Duke of Edinburgh work will come back fairly soon um, mm-hmm so well, your yeah. Duke of Edinburgh work sounds way oh. cooler than when I did Duke of Edinburgh, <laughs> tramping about I in the hills it. above my mum and dad's yeah, house, got eating corned yeah. beef hash. Like corned I've never eaten, hash. I had it's never great. eaten corned beef before and I've never eaten it since because yeah. I was just like, oh, this is so disgusting. So I was going to ask you, talking of challenges, yeah. um, I can't even remember if I mentioned this to you, but um, I'm doing the hashtag challenge Katie. <laughs> and I've got a cycling challenge, which obviously I'm now knee deep in snow again. I haven't been able to, to do a running challenge, a Pilates challenge, 
And I wondered if you could uh, add to my list of challenges. Cool. So is your running challenge the one mile per day in March? It is. Yes. Cool. So I I would like to add on to the March daily mile for you to do mm. maybe in April. And that's to do the 24 hour challenge that I have just done. Yes. Nice. Um, Love it. So, and it's 1.1 miles. Uh, well, do you know, it's absolutely perfect because my dog walk yeah. round the back of my house is exactly 1.8 kilometers or 1.9 kilometers from start to finish. And that's what I've been using. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'd love perfect. to. When the sun, once the sun comes back and the snow melts, I'm on it. <laughs> And I'm training for the Marathon de Saab next year. So it's getting oh, me, it will get great. me back into, get me back. Because a bit like you, a bit like a lot of people I meet, you know, chat to say, I'm not really a runner. Yeah. But, you know, I've done an ultra marathon. So I'm pretty sure that <laughs> that's think, not yeah. true. Yeah, it's funny, because we, we dumb stuff down so much. And I was talking to um, Abby Naylor, who's a, who does quite a few ultra events as she did um, yeah. 30 for 30 so she did 30 ultra events in her 30th year just wow. you know she did like a five-day Himalayan run to Ironman and all sorts 24-hour yeah, London to Paris bike ride and all sorts she's just she's incredible and um and so I said all about my little run she said Joe <laughs> you know you're you're reframing it in your mind just yeah. to make it feel doable but it's it is doable but it's not little <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I do a lot of reframing for things to sort of make it fit into into sort of but it's also I find really sometimes when I finish a big mm -hmm. challenge that I immediately shift the goalposts by saying well if I managed it it can't have been that hard yes and then you think have you completely <laughs> lost your mind <laughs> yes you I worked know. really hard. You trained really hard because I come from a similar yep. background to you. I come from that sort of, oh, well, mm. that's what other people do. And so there's this, this yeah. stupid little imposter going, <laughs> well, yeah. it totally can't have been that difficult. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, when I, when I summited Everest, I'm like, wow, this is really cool, but can't be that difficult if I managed to do it. And then you get yeah. people going, well, everybody does it. And it's like, no, they don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of people don't even get to Nepal, let alone off their sofa. So be proud, you know, own it. Yeah. Definitely own it without being arrogant or egotistical yeah. or into any of that, but own own your success because I think that is so important, no matter what it is. And it also, it, I think the more of these things you do, the more you can internalize, as you say, oh. that sort of owning it. You don't need to. It's nice to tell people and it's nice to hear, wow, that was amazing. Mm. But actually you just sort of start to internalize. Mm. Yeah, I totally can do yeah. this. So this, I was just saying to someone the other day, this entry to the Marathon de Saab is the first time I think I've ever entered anything of this. Well, certainly this is the biggest thing I've ever entered yeah. anyway, but, you know, done of going when I've just gone, no, I'm pretty sure this will be fine. Yeah. I just need to train right. Yes. And I'm under no illusion that it will be brutally hard mm. and I will destroy my feet because I have the most easily blistered feet on the planet. Um, but I was like, no, I just need to get my head down and get on with it yeah. and I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's it, isn't it? It's that, it's that experience of having sort of worked up the ranks of 
well, maybe I can do this. It's like um, yeah. Damien Hall, ultra mm. runner. Five years ago, he only – was it five years or ten years ago? Not that long ago that he, he'd just run the London Marathon. Mm-hmm. It was five years ago. I can't remember. Anyway, I'm going to do him a disservice now because he's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, you know, and now he's an ultra runner doing FKTs and – yeah. You know, he's just written a book, which he's so he's so funny the way he uh, he's advertised it is, you know, my most self-indulgent sort of waffle. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, oh, my God. But you know he's taking the mickey out of himself rather than – Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely, definitely own them. And because I'm um, – next year I'm going to do a four-day ultra in – arctic lapland um, oh yeah wow so the the yukon arctic ultra was cancelled this year obviously um so we were going to go to lapland instead and do one there unfortunately mm. that was cancelled as well but robert who runs them has now said we'll do one in lapland next year so you know minus 40 degrees four days 185 miles I think. Well, so, yeah that's it's a, a lot <laughs> a long way yeah and I'm thinking wow you know could I can I do this and I'm like, of course I can do it and I need to give it a go because I'm curious about what else I can achieve yeah um the last year I, I think I've, I feel like I've just existed like so many mm. people you know I all my work's cancelled and I went and got another job as a Tesco delivery driver and, I know that was very cool you know just existing um and it's like right I need to get my mojo back and go and do some stuff Um, and the the challenge around your house is it was it was lockdown friendly so yeah you know there's there is well that was the thing finding lockdown uh you know yeah COVID independent goals yes um my husband set himself last year the challenge of running a sub three-hour marathon and just went to it well because that's the kind of guy he is but he it didn't depend on him being entered into a marathon he just went and ran the distance with me in slightly sweaty mess bicycle support I have to say I was like my god you're running really fast um so where will we find you on social media websites all that kind of good stuff okay so my website is joebradshaw.co.uk i'm on facebook and instagram so facebook is joe bradshaw um instagram is underscore at underscore joe bradshaw i am not on twitter um and on linkedin as joe bradshaw so yeah okay i'll put all that in the in the show thank notes you. oh my word what a tremendous conversation thank you so <laughs> much pleasure. it's been lovely to chat right i better let you go thank you so much pleasure. that was absolutely brilliant what a great chat and uh, i will uh, will follow with great excitement for the next 24 hour challenges and i'll keep you up to date with when i get managed to do mine yeah fantastic look forward to hearing about it Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of Chatting to a Friend. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram, Chatting to a Friend, for all the latest news. Bye-bye.